ironoverload.io presents Iron Overload No Bullshit Podcast with your co-host Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the UG info like you've never heard before. No bullshit, no lies, straight hardcore truth. A bodybuilding podcast like you never heard before. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, IronOverload.io Hardcore Episode 39 coming your way. Today, we're going to talk about how steroid laws differ from country to country. So this is going to be an interesting one. So uh, let's first talk about uh, steroid clinics and how clinics have sprung up. So I, I would say 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, you would want anabolic steroids and you'd want testosterone replacement therapy, and it was hard to get it in the United States. So you'd have to go to a doctor, he'd have to refer you, he'd have to refer you to another guy, maybe your insurance, you have to go through, you know, make sure the insurance covered it and all this stuff, right? You had to go through a bunch of bureaucracy to get on a, a TRT script. And then if you got the TRT script, sometimes a lot of people were complaining that the doctor wouldn't give them enough. They'd give them like 70 milligrams a week or 80 milligrams a week or 90 milligrams a week, and they wanted more. So now things have changed. Now TRT clinics have sprung up all over. And I've been to these places. Um, I've done cry cry cryotherapy um, at these places. So I've seen, you know, their shtick, you know. So as soon as you walk in there, they're on top of you. They want to give you a script for this. They want to give you a script for that. It's a for-profit business. The owner, I even met the owner of these places. The owners are, are guys, you know, they're just businessmen. They're not doctors. They have no experience in this stuff. Maybe they're meatheads and they just they they got money or they inherited money or their buddy gave them money. Start up an anti-aging clinic. They hire a bunch of hot chicks at the counter. They want to get you on a monthly plan. That's the key. Businesses that have monthly plans or that can you know get you reel you in where you have to buy it monthly. Okay, those are the businesses that have long-term success and short-term success too because they're able to keep their clients. So what they'll try to do is they'll get you on a monthly plan, charge you 250, 300 or more a month, depending on what you get. They'll try to get you on testosterone. They'll try to get you on HGH. They'll try to get you on ACG, HMG, uh, peptides, anything they can throw at you, vitamins even. They'll, they'll be like, oh, you got to inject some vitamins. It's good for you. So you end up paying like hundreds and even thousands of dollars at these places a month because they throw so much stuff at you. So nowadays, it's really easy to get TRT in the United States. You just go to these places and they'll give you as much as you want. You want if you don't if you're like, oh, you gave me 150. It's not enough. OK, here, here's 200. Oh, that's not enough. Here's 300. So now there's sports TRT where they're giving you two, three hundred milligrams of testosterone a week plus other stuff. So it's gone from being hard to get it, and now it's really easy to get it in the United States. So those are those are the ways things have changed in the United States when it's come to the legality. And it's completely legal. Like you literally have a script for it. They have some doctor in some other state or another city that signs off on whatever the TRT clinic wants. TRT clinic gives him a little cut of whatever you're paying, and everyone goes home happy. You know, but unfortunately, your health goes down the drain because now you're basically just overdosing on these hormones and these drugs. So it doesn't do you any good, but they don't care about your health. They don't care about long term health. 
when it gets to that point where their clients start dropping dead or the clients start getting sick, they'll just shut down their doors and move on to another scam business. So this is it's really gone out of hand. United States mobster. I don't know how it is in the UK. Um, tell us a little bit about expansion of TRT clinics in the UK. I don't think there's an experience as such, but certainly an awareness uh, and availability for sure. And I think that that's probably because, as you say, the business of pharma, the business of medication in the States is so big that literally if I wanted to invest into something that I thought was going to expand and make me money, a TRT clinic would probably be right up there, especially with, of course, our own interest in, in what they do and, and what they sell. But here in the United Kingdom, I actually think we've had one way or another via the private doctors accessibility for a very long time, way, way before your sort of mass TRT clinics in the States. But that's because that's we've always had private doctors and private doctors have always been more, shall we say, obliging uh, in terms of if you give them enough money, they'll provide you with a cycle. And as an example, I'm trying to think of a, a figure that I remember reading years ago. I believe you're talking about, as an average, something like, between two and three hundred pounds, I think two hundred and sixty pounds seems to spring to mind for some reason. For a visit, you go to see this person, and that's what they would charge you. Now, of course, like you in America, we do have companies like Bupa or Spire, as I believe they're called now. So private insurance, private medical, uh, and we get that way we get to see a qualified GP in this country, but who does private work, and they are again way more likely than your normal NHS, your national uh, nationalized medication to allow you to get TRT to sign off on a script for it. Is it expensive? Yes. Uh, and I would actually argue to some, in some way, as you said, two or $300 a month just for TRT is probably, compared to what we know that we can buy via UGLs and approved sources, expensive. However, it's the legality that we're discussing here rather than the cost. So accessibility here in the UK is probably not as wide. I don't think, for example, and I have seen this, via the magazines and online, that we could send in a blood test to a lab on the other side of the country, if you and I lived in America, as you do. And as you said, a, a qualified dot so insured, verified, et cetera, will sign off because it's private work in exactly the same way. And give me a script. And I, a lot of the times, and especially in that particular scenario, I wouldn't have to go to see him. I wouldn't have to explain myself. I wouldn't have to say what it's for. Oh yes, your levels look a little bit on the low side. I think you need we can we can sign off rubber stamp a script here, and it was almost that easy. But again, it's the difference between me using nationalised, which I think TRT would be very very difficult. My levels would have to be absolutely awful, and I'd have to be showing some sort of medical symptoms of uh, uh, low testosterone. And here's the thing that's really weird, Steve. And again, actually, we'll throw this in there while we're at it. Um, much easier as a woman to get on HRT here in the United Kingdom because of the symptoms of the menopause versus a man. Uh, whereas in America, I don't think it makes the slightest bit of difference. If you want to go to a TRT clinic or get HRT, it's very, very easy in that particular way. But again, two or $300 versus I think the monthly cost would probably uh, via UGL, if I was self-TRT in a uh, low dose under 200 milligrams, probably going to be something on the odds of 100 150 so about half price yeah so in this country yes available uh i it's one of those things i can see a growth in i know that we've got companies here that i've recommended via these podcasts and on the forums that do blood tests bloodletting um 
that will refer you to a private doctor if, if you, that's what you want. Those are available, but we haven't got a market as such, a well-known market, put, let me put it that way, where uh, clinics are specifically set up in this country for CRT, not just yet. But we, we so often follow the pattern in America and arguably I could see that there'd be a market in the future, especially as bodybuilders tend to have the disposable income Younger and younger people are using steroids. That's not necessarily a good thing, of course. And uh, the fitness industry is expanding all the time and expanded during all the recent issues with COVID, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, regardless, there's a potential there for a bigger market. And there, I can see a market in the future for TRC clinics here in the United Kingdom. Back to you. All right, so let's go over the UK versus USA laws. Let me start with the USA and Mobster. You can go over the UK. And then we're going to talk about worldwide because we have people from all over the world who listen to us. You guys like to travel um, around the world. You might want to travel to a country which has different laws. So we're going to kind of go over the countries that um, have different laws and what their laws are and which steroids, steroids are legal and all that good stuff. And then we're going to finish the podcast off with opinions. Mobster and I are going to give our opinions um, on what we feel like the steroid law should be. So um so first, let me go over the USA, um, what the laws are in the USA. A lot of misconceptions about our law. So, um, you know, DEA, FDA, AMA, they all came out opposed to uh, classifying anabolic steroids as controlled substances because they had no psychological or physical dependence. And, and believe me, they don't. They don't. Um, you know, if you use anabolic steroids, a lot of it's not like you enjoy taking anabolic steroids. It's not like you have a high from anabolic steroids. It's not like you inject them and or you take them and you're like, wow, I feel so much better. You know, it, it's just not the case. Um, and but the thing is, you know, still, um, there was such a brouhaha about uh, sports cheating throughout the '80s and cheating in the Olympics and stuff that that Congress really they wanted to they wanted to do something about it. And they and they made them schedule three drugs in 1990. And uh, the first uh, Bush was president. He signed off on it. And that, you know, that that was the time where we go through this in the United States. We got to be tough on crime. We got to be tough on crime. We went through this during the 60s. We went through this during the early 70s. You know, and and every time, you know, they've got to show how they're tough on crime because. You know, we we're a very paranoid country. I don't know how it is in the UK. Um, so I think it is like that in the UK, and depending on where you live. But people are paranoid. They 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 don't want, you know, they're like, oh, we're, criminals are gonna come take over our neighborhood. So, so that's what it is. It's politics, and it works because most people don't use steroids. So if you're a politician, you want to be tough. You want to pretend, yeah, I'm tough on crime. So it's a good idea to do it. So that's that's pretty much what led to it. It wasn't based on the science. It wasn't based on the actual truth. So uh, yeah, monster, you want to jump in I before I finish? I want to jump in. I want to jump in quickly, Steve, but only not to just unmute yourself. I want to jump in here quickly, Steve, not to uh, distract you too much from telling people about the different rules and regulations and specifically the state that you and I were discussing in the pre-show. I, I said to Steve in the pre-show the following, guys, and I think it probably applies no matter where you live and what country. Uh, steroids is an easy thing for the government, for the people in charge to pick on when you want to be tough on crime because 
Um, we're not getting hired. Uh, statistically speaking, we're not out robbing people for, for a hire. We're not going out and doing mugging people for 15 or $20 so we can get a piece of crack or we can get some coke or we can get some uh, cannabis or whatever. We're not doing any of those things, but it is an easy thing to catch people on with the mail order stuff, with the way that we discuss it online and so on and so forth. So as I said to Stephen in pre-show, it doesn't matter which country you live in, Finland, Norway, uh, America, UK, whatever, it is an easy thing to crack down on because then your numbers, your statistics for crime, and especially specifically drug crime, look good. Now, in that regards, and this is where I'm going to bring Steve back in here, we've talked about Oregon. And I want to let Steve speak about this because they've decided, as I've just pointed out, that some of the stuff is so easy to arrest you or charge you for, and yet it ends up being a kind of pointless exercise. So Oregon, for example, as Steve's about to tell you, has changed their mind on, on this. This is why it's a little bit different. It's not the same everywhere in the U.S. And I'll talk about illegality in the U.K. momentarily. So Oregon, we all know um, it's the most progressive state in the country. One of the most progressive. California, Colorado, those states. Those states have all legalized pot, recreational marijuana, which I don't use myself. But like, look, if someone else wants to use pot, I don't really give a shit. So they've legalized it. But if you're pulled over in Tennessee or Florida or one of these really backward states, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, they will literally take you to jail for having pot. Same thing in Texas. They will take you to jail. If you have a large amount of pot, they will put you in prison for a long time. All right. Same thing with steroids. If you get pulled over in one of these states for, for having steroids, they're probably going to put you in prison for a long ass time and try to charge you with something. But in Oregon, they said, you know what? Let's just legalize everything. And so in and, and when it comes to uh, recreational drugs, legal. Any type of drug, even cocaine, heroin, legal. Um, of animal steroids legal so if you get pulled over with any of this stuff you, they don't they don't take you to jail for that okay but selling it is a different story selling it the, the laws are different so if you're dealing it then it's a different story but the reason they did that is because you're putting people in prison for you know for for using instead of helping them so in oregon if you get pulled over for heroin or cocaine or meth or anything like that instead of throwing you in jail OK, and making it harder for you to sober up, they actually put you in a program to help you get off the drugs. So that works better than just throwing you in prison and making you pay all this money in fines and making you have a record and ruining your life. You know, so obviously that's my opinion on it. Now, those of you listening you might have a different opinion. But why don't you let us know, you know, hey, let's let's just ruin these people's lives and have them a felony on their record and stuff, you know, so. That's the difference. So when it comes to steroids, if you want to use steroids freely without having to worry about anything, then move to Oregon. It's there. So the United States is different than other countries is, is because we have state by state law. So don't don't you know do something stupid in a state where they have really, really strict drug and steroid laws. Move to a state that doesn't if you're worried about it. So California is safe. Oregon is safe. Washington State is safe. Oregon is safe. These are the states where they're much more progressive when it comes to stuff like this. And they're not going to just like, you know, they, they don't want to put people in prison like some of these other states where the incarceration rate is so high. And there's a lot behind it. Again, it's it's politicians. They want to act like, oh, I'm tough on crime. But you're not. You're actually making crime worse when you 
when you ruin people's lives and you force them to lead a life of crime. You know, when you take away their opportunities for education and take away their opportunities to get a job because now they have a felony on their record, they can't get a place to rent because they have a felony on their record. How is that helping them? You're making it worse. So you're ruining people's lives. So until we get away from that mentality, steroids will never be legalized in the United States. Now, in terms of what happened after that happened is pharmaceutical companies stopped marketing products in the United States. So we saw a lot of pharmaceutical steroids leave the market. So now since then, it's all underground labs. So bottom line is here, let's say you order steroids online. It comes in from another country. Let's say you order it international. It comes to customs. What's going to happen is customs opens it up and sees that you have steroids. And if they may just close the box up and just send it on your way. If it's a small amount, and they're like, well, let's assume this person has a prescription for it. Then we're just going to let it pass through. But if it's a large amount, they'll seize it. If they just want to make an, you know, if they want to meet a quota or make an example out of you, they'll write a, they'll send you a letter warning you. So I've known people on the forums over the years who've gotten two, three, four letters over the course of a decade or 20 years. And basically what that means is don't order steroids again to that particular address. Get a new P.O. box, get a new address to ship your steroids to. Don't use the same address again and you'll be fine. It's not like they're going to come to your house and, and, and blow down your door and arrest you for ordering a few vials of gear. Number two, selling gear is, is an issue, but possessing it shouldn't be an issue. I mean, if you if you just possess it, it's not like they're going to get a um, – they're, they're going to pound down your door – and get you arrested. I've known people, their house got burglarized, right? And the cops came over to do a report and there's like pot sitting right there or there's steroids sitting right there. And the cops didn't even like care about it, you know? So do they care about a little bit of pot? Just depends. It depends on where you live. Even state by state mobster matters. You can have a county where their sheriff's departments are like strict on, on pot. And if they pull you over and you got a little bit of pot, or you got a vial of testosterone in your car or something, they'll arrest you. They don't, they, they just want to arrest as many people as they can. But you have other counties within these states that will not care. They have more important things to worry about, you know? So it just depends. Now, there was an, uh, a story about what's uh, Chris Bumstead's uh, sister. She ordered a bunch of steroids internationally. They, Wanted to make an example out of her. She makes a big spectacle of herself on social media. And then, yeah, they ended up doing a controlled delivery and busted her. So obviously it happens. I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it does happen where they want to make an example out of a person. So they'll do that. So just respect, you know, respect their job and respect them and don't order more than you're going to uh, for personal use. So that's why you only order a few vials at a time when you order. You don't order a large amount. And this way, they're not even going to waste their time with you because they can't make a case. In her case, she ordered a ton of it. I don't know if she just ordered a ton because that's how much she uses, or I don't know if she ordered a ton because she wanted to share it with her friends. But either way, she did something dumb and she got busted. So that sums up America, guys. So bottom line is, if you're paranoid about it and you're worried about it, move to Oregon. We have state-by-state -state laws. Mobster, tell us about the UK laws, because those are a little confusing to Americans. So I'll, I'll read the specifics part here, Steve. Then I'll explain 
what that means in practice. And then I'll give you a few examples of when people have been charged. Right. So here's a quote, guys. Anabolic steroids are classified here in the United Kingdom as class C drugs, which can only be issued by pharmacists with a prescription, meaning a doctor's give you a script, you go to pharmacist, you know, with a can. It is legal, however, to have anabolic steroids for personal use, which means you can possess steroids. If I get stopped in the street and I have, not that I would, but if I was walking down the street with some vials of testosterone or DECA or sustenone or something like that, and a police officer decided I looked a bit suspicious and would, would I mind being searched? And I said, no, fill your boots. And he found some sustenone on me, there would be no issues. They can also be imported or exported as long as this is carried out in person. What does that mean in practice? It means I can go to a country where they are legal or even illegal, purchase them, and walk them across the border and be stopped by customs at the border in this country. And if they're for my personal use, and it's not a ridiculous amount, that's perfectly fine. In fact, the only time I've heard of it being an issue, Steve, is when it's been a suitcase full and you had to pay the value added tax, the government tax. There is an issue, and of course, this is something we've touched on in previous podcasts, where I've actually had this. It means they cannot be posted or delivered by courier or freight service. And I had stuff posted to me, which was Psalms. And I had a warning letter from Customs and Excise about disposal. And then I had a police officer and a, uh, a police support officer turn up and knock on the door and come in and have a chat with me and have a cup of tea. It was all very disconcerting, Steve. It was annoying. So what does this mean, all mean in practice? It means that steroid use in this country is not a problem. Steroid possession in this country is not a problem. As with most countries, and, and including what Steve just previously said, the biggest issue really is sale and distribution. Distribution includes using a post office, but basically I take drugs from place A to place B in order to give them to my buddy and they're not mine or they're not for my use. If for someone else's use, that's distribution. I buy them for my use and I share them and I'm for a fee with a buddy, that's sell. And so it becomes an issue. And of course, in reality, me buying some for a buddy is not really, gonna, the police are not busting down doors for that. It is essentially me buying some for myself and then for 10 buddies and making a profit. So sale and distribution is really where the issues are. Now, I can think of a few examples. You're going to love a couple of these, Steve. One was, I believe, here in Wales, uh, which was manufacture. And the person in question claimed, as many people do when it comes to drugs, that the big boys or the bad boys made him do it. In other words, big criminals had forced him to set up a lab, and the lab was manufacturing steroids. And I believe the number that was quoted was somewhere between 200 and 400,000 pounds worth of business on his own, never mind what they were selling for and what anybody else made on it. And that was an estimation that by the police, which is always a little bit higher than normal. Uh, and he was claiming it wasn't him, that someone else made him do it, and he was only getting paid, you know, a salary and all this kind of stuff. But the, the number there was thrown out, and it was £400,000, about $500,000. So as you can imagine, that was a big issue. The other one, which was kind of semi-famous in the, in the UK community, community over here when it comes to these kind of things, was police. And the reason for that was that um, I think it was a London Bobby, a Metropolitan Police officer, came up to Wales, where I live, and brought some steroids up with him to sell to six Welsh police officers from, from, from we got a couple of forces over here in Wales. And the both all the police services in the United Kingdom have a line, which included when I used to work for them as a civilian, it is bringing the force into disrepute. In other words, because you are selling 
and distributing drugs, even though it was only anabolic steroids, are not really that big of a deal. You were bringing the role as a police officer, enforcing the laws and rules and restrictions into disrepute. And so they all got arrested by the internal uh, parts of both police forces and they were charged and they were thrown out of their services, which is a big deal because if you've been in, for example, 10 years, Steve, you built up a lot of money. You get paid a decent salary if you've been in a while. Um, you're going to have problems, like you said already, with getting a new job and you lose your pension. And the pension is a big part of that kind of role as well as it is for certain organisations in the States. And especially when you've been in for a while and you could be an absolutely amazing, really, really good police officer. Ironically, um, I've been around police officers in the UK and I think the same applies in the US who are obviously taking steroids. And I mean, obviously. And here's the thing. It's one of those do not draw attention to yourself in terms of your stupid behaviour. So there's that particular example. There's another thing, Steve, I want to touch on as well, which I think kind of applies here as well as to America. Steroids have been claimed by one or two politicians to be a gateway drug. They're not really. They might arguably be distributed by gangs that also sell other drugs. And so therefore there's a gateway argument there. But the end user, is the end user typically using other drugs? Are they as likely to be using recreationals? Now, there's always going to be a percentage that are. And if you focus on that, is it representative of all of the users? And the argument is no. There's always going to be people who do a lot of booze and a lot of recreational drugs and steroids. And in fact, we'll touch on that in another podcast that we do in regards to alcohol abuse and steroids. But in specifically here, I would say the typical user is a no. You, you can't get in the shape if you're doing loads of other drugs. You can't do get in the shape if you are abusing alcohol. Not really, and uh, unless you've got the genetics of a god, and most of us have not. And therefore, the typical end user is not using steroids as a gateway drug. And this is why, even in America, as you say, Steve, I would say that most arrests, as here in the United Kingdom, would be made on the basis of sale and distribution, and very rarely on the case of possession. There is an issue in America when it happens. And let's be honest, a lot of the time it has been because they distributed, even if it's just to buddies. And that is the issue of the, what it used to be that if a bottle, for example, of Diana Bowl in America, it was the whole damn bottle. Now each individual pill is counted as a count against that person. And that in its of itself is a problem. Something you just touched on, and I've actually mentioned this in the past, if I was a top-level professional bodybuilder, and it applies here in the UK as it does in America, I am a target. I'm a target for the FBI. I'm a target for uh, drug and food. I'm a target for uh, local, inf obvious uh, police enforcement, government enforcement, whatever. I just am, uh, because my face is on the front page of a magazine. My face is on the front page on, on the label of products, and here I am claiming that I'm natural or whatever else, and yet I'm ripped to the bone and I'm the Mr. Olympia or whatever. And we know that cases bust have been made at very, very high levels. And the more sensible level has got himself a prescription from a TRT clinic, even if they are using way more than TRT. Because the issue here, again, is you're, it's kind of like being a rock star, Steve, and getting busted for drugs. It's, it's kind of like an easy thing to do, Steve. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and also, also, funny enough, and I've just thought about the sale and distribution thing, and I think the same applies here in the United Kingdom, as you touched on over there. And it's the reason why, kind of sensible, as you said, for example, if an item's opened 
and especially stuff if it comes in from overseas, it's opened as more often than we'd like. Um, it's why sellers, international sellers, split up orders. If if I was silly enough, living in America or the UK, to order five thousand dollars worth of steroids, and and it all arrived in one hit, and customs randomly opened my package, and there was my five thousand dollars. I think I'm going to get more than the warning letter. I think I'm going to get busted. Whereas if a thousand dollars, six, seven, eight hundred pounds worth arrives, I'm going to get a warning letter if it's open, but I probably won't get busted. The worst that will happen is they'll throw my drugs away. And again, it comes down to that kind of sensible thing. Because we're not out robbing, because we're not out mugging people, because we're not getting high and doing crazy stuff, with, again, very rare examples, and even then really unproved, while we are high. I use that word very loosely here on steroids. UK authorities aren't really going out of their way to make a big issue. I think the only time it becomes an issue, Steve, here in the United Kingdom is when we had the Olympics or we've got some big sporting athletic event and, you know, a newspaper, the media gets hold of this idea. And if, say, someone gets busted for being positive, positive in an Olympic game type athlete or, or athletic event, and they get busted, or even an athlete gets busted for using recreationals, then the whole idea of drugs here in the United Kingdom becomes a little bit of a hot potato. But honestly, Steve, at my age, and I'm not a million miles away from being 60 as we do this podcast, it's what we will call wind and piss. A lot of hot air for five minutes while the sporting event takes place, and then it dies a horrible death because the police, because the authorities, because our drugs uh, people have got a lot, better things to do and a lot worse crimes involving drugs than anything I can think of that's ever happened here in the United Kingdom. And even to some degree, to the best of my knowledge, with the history of the Iron Gate in the US, with the possible exception, as I've mentioned already, and I think you've had it in the US, of a couple of what we would call UGLs being busted. You've had it there and we've had it here. And then it becomes a hot potato again for five minutes. But that's because they've had the lab on American soil, or in this case, on United Kingdom soil, and we're kind of asking for it then because you're, you're you can't deny that you're doing it just for yourself. You haven't set it up in your kitchen and making just enough for you and your buddy. You're selling it, you're distributing it, and then it's a completely different argument. Steve, back to you. All right, so let's go over the rest of the world. Canada, a lot of you listen to this podcast. We love you guys up in Canada. Canada, anabolic steroids is legal. The use is legal. Manufacturing, importing, exporting, or selling is illegal. So pretty simple. Mexico has more relaxed laws guiding the use of steroids. Users can buy some anabolic steroid formulations, including HGH, without requiring a prescription. But other types of steroids, you will need a prescription for. So it just depends on what you're trying to get. Um, in the EU, except for Denmark, Finland, Sweden, and Normie, Norway, anabolic steroids are illegal in the EU. And again, these these laws that we're kind of talking about, they could change at any time, guys. I mean, governments change. You have elections and people get elected and all kinds of stuff. So if we did this podcast two years ago, uh, steroids wouldn't be illegal in Oregon. And now they are. Same thing with pot. We did this podcast 10 years ago. Pot would have been illegal all over America. And now a bunch of states have it legal. So laws do change. Make sure you, you keep up on this. But these are as of um, when we're doing this podcast now. Countries where you don't need a prescription, Colombia, Bahamas, Egypt, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, Hong Kong, Poland, Puerto Rico, which is actually part of the United States, oddly enough. It's not a state, but it is a, um, 
it is part of the United States, Thailand, Greece, India, and Korea. Now, keep in mind, in these states, in these uh, countries, I'm sorry, in these countries, if you go there, it's not like you walk into the pharmacy and the steroids are like on the shelf where you can just go and, and, and fill up your cart and, and pay for them and walk out with like a, a whole cart of steroids. No, they the pharmacists themselves have to give it to you. So you just go up to the pharmacist and be like, hey, you know, I want some anabolic steroids and they don't have to give it to you. It's not like they're doing you a favor here. So if they say, you know what, I'm not going to give you anything, you know, please leave my store. They can do that. So it's not like you can go in there and just buy up all the steroids. You want to run three grams of gear a week. You know, maybe the pharmacist might say, you know what, I'll give you a couple vials of testosterone. Here you go. Have a nice day. It's $50 each. You know, that's it. So it just, it's not like in these countries, everyone walks around all buff and strong because steroids are legal. So I think that's the big misconceptions that we in America have, Mobster. We think if we go to another country or move to another country, that we'll just be able to use as much steroids as we can. And that would be an issue because in those countries, you know, if you're selling a bunch of steroids on the street, that's illegal. You have to be an actual pharmaceutical company selling these steroids through a through a pharmacist, through a doctor. Okay, so... Um, another thing, too, if you do buy a steroid on the street in any of these countries, it's more likely going to be fake anyway. So you can't walk into the pharmacy and ask the pharmacist for Trenbolone because there is no pharmaceutical Trenbolone anymore. You see? So really, at the end of the day, even if you move to these countries because you want your free, you want your legal steroids so bad, and let's say you wanted to use Tren, you would be screwed because there is no pharmaceutical brand of trend that you can get from the pharmacy. So you'd still have to go on the black market to purchase it, which would still be illegal. So that goes, that finishes off now. Let me, let me go through my opinion on anabolic steroid laws. Again, that's the problem. If you were in the United States, we were to have similar laws to these countries, most of you listening to this would still have to break the law to acquire steroids. Because a lot of the steroids we love, Equipoise, Trenbolone, for example, you know, these steroids are not available anyway, pharmaceutically. They're not human grade anymore. So you'd still have to break the law. The only way that would change is if pharmaceutical companies actually started manufacturing all these steroids. Primobolin as well, Primobolin. You can't find pharmaceutical grade Primobolin in the United States. It doesn't exist. So what are you going to do? So if a pharmaceutical company were to start producing these for human use so that meatheads can take a bunch of steroids to get big, do you know how much steroids would go up in cost? Right now, to run a Primobolin cycle, for example, if you were to get high-quality Primobolin and run it for 12 weeks at 500 milligrams a week, you're going to pay after all said and done. If I include the ancillaries, if I include the other steroids in the stack, if I include the PCD, you're going to be paying a thousand or more for that stack for that cycle, okay, or close to a thousand. If they were to make these steroids legal, and pharmaceutical companies would start selling these steroids, instead of paying a thousand dollars for that cycle, you'd probably be paying five thousand dollars or even ten thousand dollars. That's what would happen. So be careful what you wish for, if you if you want to you know make these steroid laws a change. I I'd say keep things the way they are, but do what they do in Oregon, where they don't care if you do it. You can have, you can use some steroids. You just can't be dealing large amount. You can't be, um, 
you know, you, you can't be giving, selling your friends some fake steroids that makes them sick. Okay. That's, that's pretty much the way it is. So make it like that. But I mean, just to full out legalize it is not going to fix, it's not going to make it available to us because it is right now legal to go get a prescription for testosterone. But a lot of people choose to do self TRT because it's a hell of a lot cheaper and less hassle than going to a doctor and dealing with all that bureaucracy. So that's my opinion on it. Um, and Mobster, I'll let you finish out final minute with your opinion on, on how it should be and take us to the disclaimer. It's a great show. It's difficult, Steve, because I kind of agree with what you just said in terms of costs. And if pharma came in, the prices would probably go through the roof. And here's the problem, guys. What would, what do we kind of dream of? We dream of the ability to get blood tests. We, we'd like to go to our, in our case here in the United Kingdom, the local GP, and say, I would like you to prescribe me testosterone. And it would be amazing if it was on the NHS. But even if I had to pay regular prices via a script from my doctor and go to a pharmacy and get it made up, that would be awesome. Having blood tests down at my doctors would be awesome. And again, even if they only play, try, charge me 15 or 20 or 30 pounds even, rather than me having to go to a private doctor or a special clinic just for that. It, but it's, it's, it's kind of weird, Steve, because as you said, I think if the businesses come involved, the prices would go up. And that would be kind of weird. I think one of the things that's also kind of what we want in terms of legality is two more things. One would be quality gear all the time from everywhere, not just from us from approved sources, but I told you in previous podcasts, I've had products given to me for free that have had no PED in them whatsoever. And so the quality varies enormously, especially in those kind of over-the-counter illicit sales uh, versus, you know, using a proper approved source and whatever else. So there's that kind of aspect uh, that might improve, and, and that would be kind of cool as well. Um <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to be in a situation of being able to walk into a shop or a pharmacy here in the UK, even in the countries where you can do that. And I'm thinking of India that you and I discussed in the pre-show. The dosages tend to be a lot lower than what we use for performance enhancement. So that would be a problem as well. I don't want to buy a thousand, two milligram tablets when I could get a hundred tens and it'd be a lot easier for it. So it's kind of like, are we ever going to have the situation where the dosages that we use now in the cycles that we do now, even the more sensible ones are going to be available over the counter with, with the pharmacist giving it to us and seeing that we need it or my local doctor doing it? No, I don't think so. Um, it would have to be a completely different shift in the consciousness of everybody and not just the PD using community, but the people everywhere, the Joe public. So, yeah, I hope there's a great show, Steve, and, and something we could probably discuss again and again. And I'd love to hear comments and, and thoughts from our listeners. Please note, we are not doctors and the opinions are ours. It is our view and is based on our experience and views on a topic. Our podcast are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.